Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight, I I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I'm still kind of debating it. (laughs) But I'll go ahead and and go with this uh, tonight. Luke chapter 9. It's uh, it's funny how God will put two or three different things on my mind and I just have to start the other one next Sunday morning, I guess, and and go with that. Uh, even though I, I really feel uh, like God, I, I do believe that God wants to bless through both of them, and so uh, I'll just go with this one. Luke chapter nine. Let's join together for prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your love. And we praise you for the time of fellowship and the great joyous uh, feelings of your presence that you've allowed us to have so far. Lord, we praise you so much for uh, the great uh, pleasure of of hearing your voice in our life and allowing you to speak to our hearts. Lord, bless us as we seek to study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 9. uh, all of that to say, uh, I, I remember <laughs> talk about a subject that that some people don't think uh, really should be in in church. I remember uh, uh, Robin and I were uh, at one church, and she Robin started uh, taking some of the ladies to do different things, and she took uh, the ladies to uh, evangelism retreat at uh, the beach uh, that would happen in the off season. And they would, you know, the Myrtle Beach has a lot of places where people come together and and you can uh, really get a place cheap if you go during the off season uh, out there. And they would go to these evangelism conferences uh, during uh, the off season out there. And one of the things the ladies like to do when uh, they were uh, together and, and just enjoying time together was they uh, some of them would play cards. And to some, that's just just plain evil you ought not to play cards cards of the devil and uh, uh, but uh, I remember as a little kid uh, uh, being introduced to cards uh, and the Boy Scouts <laughs> what a place to learn how to play cards uh, you know uh, I, I still don't play very well that just tells you how much I did it I didn't do it very often uh, uh, but we'd play with matchsticks or pennies or whatever and and we'd have, it's just something to pass time, you know, playing cards. Nothing wrong with it as long as you don't allow it to take over your life. But I, I remember as a little kid seeing for the first time a James Bond movie. You remember those James Bond movies? You, uh, and of course for me, everybody's got a different one, but Sean Connery was always the epitome of James Bond. It, uh, and and I, I, I just remember... Uh, uh, and a lot of times, especially those early movies, uh, one of the first scenes you would see would be uh, of a casino where uh, you've got uh, uh, you know this ha- handsome, dashing uh, fella in a, a tuxedo sitting there 
uh, and he's sitting across from a fella that's got a patch on his eye and you know instantly that's the evil guy that's the that's the villain uh anybody that's got a patch on their eye and and is smoking a cigarette and all that kind of stuff is is got to be the villain and and uh doesn't have to stroke a, a cat or anything like that to be you know right away that's that's the villain that's blofeld or somebody like that and uh but they're sitting there and they're they're playing uh, cards and they they're uh, they're uh, high stakes game high stakes game and and at some point during the of course in the Bond movies they they trip you up they start throwing in these European games like baccarat and all that kind of stuff don't know how to play those kind of things but even with those kind of games they have a point in the game where. Uh, uh, Bond or the good guy will always push up the ante. They'll 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 say all in, all in, and they'll they'll take all their cards and they'll put all their uh, all their uh, their chips or their uh, whatever might constitute money in the game and just push it all to the center. And they say, well, I, I'm going to bet it all. I'm going I'm going bet the whole thing and that that comes up with a, another game that is uh, a, a, something else that used to come up in the old westerns where the guys are playing Texas Hold'em you know and they and they're playing there in the saloon and they're sitting there playing and they they push it all in and they say what do they say they're going to bet the farm they're not they're not push there they don't say all in they say i'm gonna bet the farm and what that comes from what that comes from when they're when they're sitting there betting and they realize that they they got a hand and they want they don't have enough uh chips so they'll say well i'm gonna i'm gonna bet the deed on my farm i'm gonna bet it all I'm gonna push it all in uh and what it all uh, uh amounts to is being all in <coughs> Believing so much so in the hand that they have been dealt that they are willing to bet everything. Willing to put it all on the line. Well, we don't play much in cards in the Baptist church. Just It's just like dancing. If you do it, you don't say anything about doing it, you know. Um, you know, and... and uh, 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 it, it amazed me when I, I grew up and got older and that people talked about uh, having Christian dancing. And I'm like, what? You can't have Christian. That just don't go together. Christian and dancing, that's like Christian uh, uh, gambling, uh, Christian cards. You know, it just it's just hard to believe that. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about going all in. And while we may not play cards very much in the Baptist church, not that kind of cards at least, uh, uh, we do understand the concept of being all in. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture, is being all in. Look at, at um, this uh, chapter here. Uh, chapter 9 of, of Luke. Um, and Jesus, is, and really, I want to back up some. Uh, really what we're talking about is 
Jesus is is uh, there with his disciples, and uh, he he tells his dis, uh, disciples that you know you have to be willing to to go all in. Um, and Jesus has someone that says that that he wants to come and be a part of uh, Jesus's. Uh, group and Jesus tells them that he has to uh, take up his cross and follow him. You see that in there. Um, that's uh, twenty-five to twenty-seven. But I really believe that this passage of scripture begins, in essence, in verse eighteen, where Jesus is laying the groundwork for what he says in verse twenty-five. So let's back up for a minute to verse eighteen. And it says that, uh, and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom do people say that I am? And they answered him and said, John the Baptist, but some say, Elias, that, that's Elijah, uh, Elias, and, and others say that uh, you're one of the old prophets is, that's been risen again. And then he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? That's Jesus uh, talking in verse 20. But who do you say that I am? Uh, Peter answered and said, uh, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Now see, I believe this has the ground, This is the groundwork for what he says, uh, what comes next. Saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and, and, the, uh, and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. Uh, to follow me, excuse me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man? What is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my uh, words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in to his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there, uh, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And see, here's, here's the thing that I'm trying to tell you. I believe this all begins uh, with the premise that is established in verse, verse 18. And what Jesus is saying to them is, is He's basically asking him, Who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? And His disciples were sitting there saying, Well, well some say you're uh, Elijah, and some say you're Moses, and some say you're a prophet of old. And, and, and then Jesus says, But who do you say that I am? And really, that's the question that you have to ask yourself, are you willing to go all in on? Peter says, Peter puts his old foot in his mouth again and he chimes in, but he, he at least had the right answer this time. He says, you are the Christ of God. You're the, uh, you're, uh, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He, he basically said, you are the one that we have been waiting for. You are the 
Messiah. You are the Christ. The Christ in this context means the anointed one, the one of God that God has set aside to come and to deliver us. And so Jesus said, if that's the case, if that's who I am, and then he goes into verse 25. He says, if that's the case, then you have to be willing. And verse 23 says, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself. So really what he's saying is, is if you really acknowledge me as the Christ, you've got to be willing to give your all. Give everything. You see, there's a lot of people that will acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a lot of people that will acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross and was raised on the third day. All of that is good, but all of that doesn't mean that you've, uh, e- that you've even become a Christian. You know? Satan's demons all know that Jesus is the Son of God. Satan's demons and Satan himself knows that Jesus died on the cross and that he raised the third day. That in and of itself is not enough to even save you. Now that's essential for you to know and to believe and to to, uh, cherish within your heart in order to be saved. You need to know those things and accept Jesus as your Savior but for a lot of people, that's as far as they go. You know, Jesus here is saying, "I want you to be—I uh, want to be more than just simply your Savior. I want to be your Lord." And we all the time group those two together. I, I'm going to ask Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Well, yeah, we ought to make Jesus the Lord of our life if we make Him the Savior of our life. But there's a lot of Christians, if they, uh, if they are genuinely saved, have just made Jesus their Savior, but have not made Him the Lord of their life. Jesus said, if, if I'm to be your Savior, you are, to make, you are to be all in. And that's what we've got to be as a part of God's church, is, is we've got to be willing to be all in. We've got to give everything in. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you must give up uh, everything in your life. Daily pick up your cross and follow me. That's the expectation of... uh, We talk about it in discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is someone who's all in. A disciple is someone who's willing to do more than just simply... You know, let's... Get it down to the nitty-gritty. There were a lot of people that followed Jesus. There were groups of people that followed Jesus. And these groups that followed after Jesus are the same groups that are in church today. You had the people that were merely curious. And they didn't know what was going on, and so they came to see what was going on. You've got people that come to church At least we should have people that come to church that are curious and don't know what's going on here, don't know what kind of people we are. We need the curious, but we don't need people to stay curious. That's the whole thing. And then you had people that were uh, uh, there just simply to see the the spectacle. They were there to see Jesus perform miracles. They they had heard that Jesus could perform miracles, that He had uh, made people that were blind to be able to see, people that were deaf to hear. They had heard that Jesus had made people that were dead alive again. And so they came to see the miracles. 
But the miracles weren't simply there just to draw in the curious like uh, people that would come and see the, uh, the uh, spectacle under the big top at a circus. The miracles were there to proclaim that Jesus was, uh, had the authority and the power of the Creator within His hands. That He was more than just simply a teacher. You've got people today that are still curious. They hear that things happen. You know, I take that back. You don't always have people that come to church hearing that people are uh, that are sick receive healing. That people are that have been uh, afflicted by things in their life have have gained uh, freedom from it. That's the problem. We don't have people these days that, that go out and tell. One of the chief things that we ought to be doing as a church ought to be telling people what God's doing for us. What is God doing for you? Is, are you just simply uh, pickled here? <laughs> you know, a, a pickled vegetable is a vegetable that's suspended in animation in a, in a pickle brine. It's not decaying anymore. It's just simply in the, it's preserved. We don't, we don't need Christians that are just simply preserved. We need Christians that are going out and telling people about what God is doing in our lives and bringing in people that are curious about the fact of what God could do for them. We need people that are curious about how God can change their life. But it requires that the people of the God's church go out and tell others about what God is doing in their life. You know, we need to tell people what God is doing in your life. We, we get so comfortable in church that we... And we... Look, when you came in this evening, if, if you came in and the church was dark, what would you do? First thing you do is reach out for a, a light switch and flip on the light. We're so used to it today, we don't understand the miracle of light and electricity. But you go back 200 years and, and boy, that, that would be a modern miracle to have the convenience of being able to simply flip a, a switch, make a small gesture with your hand, and the lights come on. Shoot, you go down through the, the aisles of Walmart and the lights come on automatically in those frozen uh, 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 areas where the, the frozen meats are. That's, that's a downright miracle for people. And, but today it's nothing. We just kind of expect it. We just go through life. We're in such a, a state of being so used to God working in our life that we fail to acknowledge the miracles that God does for us. We fail to, to glorify God with the, miracle, uh, the miracles that He accomplishes in us. And we need to tell others. It's not bragging. It's not uh, you're, you're giving God the glory for what He's done. You're giving God the glory for saving your life when a tree limb falls. You're giving God the glory when you tell other people about how God has, has transformed your life through the modern, modern miracles of medicine. And how God has preserved you and enabled you to overcome these things. We need to tell others about it so that they'll say, you know, I've got those needs in my life. I need to go and seek out God and what God can do for me. And you had those people in Jesus' day that were hearing about these people, about the miracles that were happening. Then you had those people that... Let's be honest, you had those people that were simply there trying to gather enough information to trap Jesus. 
those people that were deniers, those people that were, were denying the, the teachings of Jesus and of who He was. We simply don't even have the deniers coming. They're just simply, they're content to stay away from church. But we need to, to challenge people with the Word of God. We need to challenge people with the message of what God does. And then say, look, if you don't believe it, you need to come and, and you need to come and debate those things in church. I'll be willing to sit here for hours after church and debate anybody that you bring that has questions about the Word of God, that has questions about who Jesus is. I'll be willing to sit here and talk to them and to share with them and, and look, I firmly believe that I'm going to learn some things from them so I, and tell them I, I'm willing to enter in into any conversation and be open to learning something from them if they think they have something to teach me as long as they're willing to listen and hear what God might have to teach them when, with the things that I might say. And it'll have to come from God because it won't come from me. It'll be a, a miracle from God that they hear something that, uh, that will change their life. So, but we need those people. We need people that are willing to come and, and debate those as long as they're polite enough to wait until the appropriate time. We don't want them to debate during the sermon. But let's, let's be honest. We need people to come that are seeking answers, the people that are trying to find uh, the answers to their questions and, and desire to hear the message. And that's what Jesus is telling uh, His disciples, that if you want to be someone more than just these. And then you had people that were coming that were generally... Uh, followers of Jesus Christ. You had those that were, and we have people to this day that are simply uh, fair weather followers. They're the people that come on Mother's Day, Easter, Christmas. They come uh, once or twice a month maybe. Uh, they're a little bit more uh, uh, faithful than uh, some of the fair weather followers, but they come when they feel good about uh, getting out. They uh, they don't have anything else going on, so they decide they'll go ahead and come, or they'll come when we have uh, you know a covered dish dinner or something like that. They they come when when things are are appropriate. Those are people that we need to come to because guess what? When they come for those fair weather times. Hopefully they'll hear something that'll strike their heart and God will work in them. The Holy Spirit will have a chance to work and move in their hearts so that they'll hear something that, that truly will speak to them. And I had uh, someone that came up to me after our Easter service uh, the, a couple of Sundays ago when we, when we had Easter that said, you know, I, had, I, had, I wanted to come up, but I, I, I just didn't feel like I could. Now I told him, look, uh, if you have some uh, questions, if you have some things you want to talk about, feel free to contact me anytime. And those are important people for us to have because those are people that are searching and they're open to the Word of God in their life. And then you have people that that come that are just simply uh, they they just simply come all the time because they feel like that's what is expected of them. And to be honest, a lot of people are, are fit into this category. They, they come faithfully, but they come out of duty and out of responsibility. And that's not a re reason for following after Jesus. Jesus didn't expect His 12 to, be, to fall into that category, did He? We shouldn't feel like we fall into that category either. We ought to be uh, this, the last category, the, 
the ones that Jesus is speaking to are the ones that Jesus says, who do you really say that I am? He's cutting down to the, the quick. And He's saying, do you see me as a sideshow? Do you see me as, as, as an oddity? Do you see me as, as a curiosity? Or do you really see me as the Son of God? And so they asked him, who, who, who do people say that I am? And they answered all the different answers. And, and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? The question tonight is, is who is Jesus Christ to us? If He is, as Peter said, the Christ, the Son of the living God, or as it's put in, in this uh, version, uh, the Christ of God, the Anointed One of God, then Jesus says to us, the Son of Man is going to suffer many things and be uh, rejected and the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised up the third day. Jesus said, look, if you really believe that I'm the Christ, here's what's coming. People are going to reject me. People are going to abuse me. I'm going to be sacrificed. And after he said that, he said, And if any man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It has become more and more evident these last days that we're falling back into a time. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the last days, but but we're seeing it repeats in history from time to time that we find that, that to be a believer in Jesus Christ means that we have to be willing to sacrifice. If we truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, then we need to understand that people reject Him, that He was abused by those who, who were the leaders of the, of, the, of the church and the elders. And He was raised up the third day and sacrificed. And if so, then we need to be willing to, to, do, uh, to be in that same position ourselves. Are you willing? If you're all in, then it means that you need to be willing to be abused, that you need to be, uh, to be understanding that you might suffer many things for His name's sake. But Jesus says that we ought to be willing to take up the same cross that Jesus took up. If we are truly His followers, that we need to deny... And look, Paul understood this. Paul's desire was to share the gospel. He went from place to place sharing the gospel and it seemed like everywhere he went, he was, he was persecuted. He was uh, many times left for dead. And then he realized that his calling was to share the gospel in a way that, that he never would have had the opportunity if he didn't allow himself to be incarcerated and to potentially see the end of his life. He, he put it all on the line so that he could testify in front of Caesar, so that he could share the gospel in a way that he had not shared before. He offered Himself as a sacrifice just like Jesus. 
so that others might hear the message of what Christ has done for us. We need to be willing to give it all, to put it all on the line. And so often, though, we, as Christians, we don't always, we're not always willing to do that. I mean, a lot of Christians, it's, it's hard enough to ask them to come to church on a night that's not a regular church night. <laughs> Let alone to come to church every Sunday and Wednesday. Or to give up their life for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, But if you are ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. We need to understand that that Jesus is not, it's not this isn't negotiable with him. If we're truly a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to be willing to lay it all on the line, be willing to serve him completely. What are you willing to give up? to sacrifice to follow after Jesus Christ. Jesus said in verse 27, I tell you the truth, there are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. I think what Jesus is trying to say here is that um, not... His disciples took it to mean that there were some there who were alive that would not die, but that the kingdom of heaven would come during their lifetime. Obviously, that didn't happen the way they were thinking. And usually, when Jesus says something like this, they misunderstood. They saw Jesus at... Remember how the Jewish mentality saw who Jesus Christ was, or... Should I say the Messiah, the anointed one? The anointed one was to come in as a conquering king, would come in, take the the seat of David, uh, become the new king of Israel, and raise up Israel in, in a military manner like David did to go about and to conquer all those who were around and to establish Israel as a mighty force, <coughs> very similar do the type of kingdom that was in existence during the time of Solomon. In our modern day terms, they wanted uh, Israel to be a world power to be able to uh, be uh, the the sole power in their area uh, within the world. And that's not what Jesus was. That's not who Jesus uh, was. And of course, He meant that the kingdom of heaven would come into existence during when He was crucified on the cross, buried and rose on the third day, that the kingdom of heaven would uh, uh, be ushered in with His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Um, We have to remember the stakes. Jesus says, these are the stakes. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. (coughs) We act as if there is hundreds of years before Jesus will return. And it very well may be. It, it, we don't know when Jesus could return. That's the whole point. Jesus was telling His disciples one other time, He said, 
Look, the fields are white unto harvest. We need to get out and we need to reach those who are lost. We need to do and have a sense of urgency because we don't know when His return will be. We don't know how long we have. We don't, we don't necessarily have generations to reach our world. In, within the next generation, we could lose uh, the Christian influence that we have here in the United States. We could find ourselves in a situation where, and there are many who say that we're already in a situation where we're in a uh, reverse missionary circumstance where missionaries are coming here because we're less church than those nations that we used to send missionaries to a uh, uh, couple of generations ago. Our nation is becoming more and more secularized. And we have to be willing to go all in, to serve God, to make His, uh, our testimony, our witness known to them, and to follow after Jesus Christ. Be willing to give it all and sacrifice all. The question is, like when those cowboys were sitting at the table with a, car, a set of cards in their hands, and they were pushing the chips all in. They had faith in the, in the cards that they would win. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ to go all in for Him? Is Jesus Christ who He says He is in your life? Are you willing to, to go all in for Jesus? We need Christians that are willing to go all in for Him. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that You'd help us to be willing to give our all for You. To not leave anything in reserve, but willing to give our all for You. To serve You completely and utterly with our whole life. To bet the farm on You. To be willing to give our utmost so that lives might be changed. Hearts might be won, and the kingdom of God might be lifted up. Help us, Lord, to go all in for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.